Rex Stout's Nero Wolf. Starring Mabel Moore as Nero Wolf and Don Franks as Archie Goodman. Demon, special guest stars Mary Peary, Bud Knapp, Patricia Hamilton, Mina E. Mina, and Helen Hughes. When Mrs. Hazen arrived for her appointment with Nero Wolf, she gave me a smile. Thank you for getting him to see me, Mr. Goodwin. It isn't often that a man gets a natural, friendly, straightforward smile from a young woman who has never seen him before, with no come on, no catch, and no dare. So I was surprised and disappointed when she took a gun from her purse and walked to Wolf's desk. That's the gun I'm not going to shoot my husband with. Mrs. Hayes and I am not impressed by history only. Oh, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm only telling you. That's what I came for, just to tell you. I, I thought it would be... More definite, I guess, if I brought the gun and showed it to you. Just that? Uh, You wanted half an hour. Because I thought it would be better if I told you something about why. If you will regard it as confidential. Uh, With the reservation that if you tell me about a crime, I can't engage not to disclose it. I'm not a lawyer or a priest. That's all right. There hasn't been any crime and there won't be. You know who my husband is, Barry Hayes in public relations? Mr. Goodwin has informed me. We were married two years ago, just after my father died. My father was an inventor, and Barry used to do some public relations work for him. That's how I met him. I thought I really was in love with him. I tried to decide what was the real reason I married him. (laughs) You don't need to know all that. You don't even need to know why I want to kill him. Uh, uh, It's your half hour, madam. I don't hate him. But I think I despise him. I know I do. And he won't let me get a divorce. I tried to leave him. Well, I did leave him, but he made such a... There I go again. I don't need to tell you all that. As you please. It's not as I please, Mr. Wolfe. It's as I must. As you must, then. You know how there can be something in your mind, but you don't know it's there until all of a sudden there it is? Certainly. The subconscious is not a grave. It's a cistern. But we don't know what's in it. I didn't. One day a month ago, I went to his bedroom and saw that gun in his drawer, and all of a sudden, I was thinking how easy it would be to shoot him while he was in bed asleep. I said to myself, you idiot, you absolute idiot, and I didn't go near that drawer again, but the thought came back. It kept coming back, mostly when I was trying to go to sleep. It got worse. It got so that I was planning how to do it so I wouldn't get caught. I knew it was idiotic, but I couldn't stop. I could not. And then... uh, Just two nights ago, I got out of bed trembling all over and went to the shower and turned on the cold water and stood under it. I had found a plan that would work. I don't have to tell you what the plan was. As you please. Uh, As you might. It doesn't matter. I went back to bed, but I didn't sleep. I was afraid of what my mind might do. I'd found out I couldn't manage my mind. So yesterday afternoon, I decided I would fix it so my mind would have to quit. I would tell somebody all about it, and then the plan couldn't work. Telling a friend wouldn't do, and of course I I couldn't tell the police. Then I thought of you. (laughs) 
And here I am. Ah. Well, that's all except this. I want you to promise that if my husband is shot and killed, you will tell the police about my coming here and what I said. I see. There. That's it. If you promise to tell the police, I can't possibly do it. Will you promise? No, I advise you not to insist on a promise. I must. I must know. Uh, Very well. You promise? Yes. Oh. Oh. Well, then, is a... Is a check all right? Certainly. Um, some time of your half hour is left, Mrs. Hazen, if you've any use for it. No, thank you. That's really all I came for. Oh, I... Yes? I would love to see the orchids. I've read so much about them. Would it be possible, do you think? Just a quick look. Perhaps Mr. Goodwin could show me if you're too busy. It would be a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Goodwin doesn't owe you the time. I do. Come with me. You won't need your coat. no kick coming. The 10,000 orchids in the three rooms up on the roof were his, not mine. He did like to show them off, but that wasn't why he had intervened. He had some letters to dictate, and he thought that if I took her up there, there'd be no telling when we'd come back down. Years ago, he decided on insufficient evidence that I forgot about time when I'm with an attractive young woman. So I got on with my work, and at noon I did what I often do, which was to switch on the radio for the news. But the contractor insists that he has received no favors from the senator. The body of a man named Barry Hazen was found this morning in an alley between two buildings on Norton Street in Lower Manhattan. He had been shot in the back and had been dead for some hours. No further details are available at present. Mr. Hazen was a well-known public relations counselor. The Democratic leaders in Congress have apparently decided to hold their fire. When you would like to know if a gun has been fired recently, you smell it automatically. But it doesn't mean a thing, really, unless it's just been fired and there's been no opportunity to clean it. The cylinder was full of cartridges. Beautiful. Absolutely stunning. What was the name again? Phalaenopsis. The Phalaenopsis. <laughs> oh, they're lovely. Thanks again, Mr. Goodwin. I'll take the gun. No, ma'am. There's been a development. I turned on the radio for the news and I got some, all right. The body of a man named Barry Hazen was found this morning in an alley between two buildings on Norton Street in Lower Manhattan. Been shot in the back and he's been dead for some hours. No further details are available at present. You're, you're m- m- making it up. Oh, no, that's what was said verbatim. Archie, get her something. Brandy. Yes, sir. No. I'm all right. He said that. That's what was said. He's dead. Yes. He's dead. Oh, I'll be in the kitchen. No, hold it, sir. You'll be all right in a minute. Take a deep breath, Mrs. Hazen, please. I want to phone somebody. I have to know. Who can I phone? A shot of brandy. Maybe it wouldn't hurt you after all. I don't want anything. Who can I phone? Nobody. Not just now. Why not? Because we must first consider whether I should phone the police as I promised. Uh, Archie. Has that gun been fired recently? If so, it's been cleaned. It's fully loaded. The cartridges all look alike. Did you shoot him? For a quick guess, no. To make it final, I would need facts. So would I. Did you shoot your husband, Mrs. Hazen? No. Since my promise was to you, you may, of course, release me from it. Do you wish me to phone the police? Not now. You don't have to now. You won't ever have to. He's dead, and I didn't kill him. That's all over now. Oh, sit down. It's not so simple. When the police ask you where you were this morning from 11 o'clock on, what do you say? What? Confound it. Quit propping yourself on my desk and sit down. That's better. What do you say? 
Why, will they ask me that? Certainly. You'll have to account for every minute since you last saw your husband. Did you come here in a cab? Yes. Then you'll say so. You'll have to. When they ask why you came to see me, what'll you say? Oh, you'll have to tell me what to say. Oh, I expected that. Confound it. You are not my client. You have paid me for half an hour of my time, now stretched to more than that, and released me from my promise, so I can... What are you doing? I'm going to write a check, then I will be your client. How much? Mrs. Hazen, I am not a blackmailer. I take pay for services, and you may not need my services. Now, will you answer some questions? Of course, but I've taken more than my half offer. No, if you didn't shoot your husband, we've both been snared by circumstance. First... Instead of a question, a statement. You cannot take the gun. The gun stays here. But I have to put it back where I got it. No, I cannot let you take the gun. Now, when and where did you last see your husband? Last night at home. We had people for dinner. All right, details. How many people? Their names. They were clients of Barry's, important clients. All but one. Mrs. Victor Oliver. Ann Talbot, who's the wife of the banker. Jules Curry, an inventor. He he used to work with my father. Ambrose Purtis, who's a shipping man. Ted... uh, Theodore Weed, he's not a client. He works for Barry Seven, counting Barry and me. And when did these guests leave? I don't know exactly. Barry had told me he was going to discuss something with them, and I wouldn't be needed. And after the coffee I left, I went upstairs to my bedroom. Did you hear him when he went up to bed? No. What about this morning? He wasn't there. He rises early. The maid who... (laughs) What? (laughs) Nothing... Nothing that matters to you. I'm not liking myself, Mr. Wolfe. I said he rises early. But now I can say he rose early and I wanted to sing it. I did. Oh, if you please, you'll have plenty of time for that. Now about the maid. I'm sorry. The maid said he hadn't come for breakfast and when she went up, his bed hadn't been slept and he'd done that before. Not very often, once or twice a month. What, without telling you where he was going? Yes. Do you know where he went last night? No, I have no idea. Were you continually in the house from the time you went to your bedroom last night until you left this morning? Yes. Would the maid have heard you if you'd gone out during the night? I don't think so. Her room is in the basement. And you are vulnerable. What time did you leave this morning? Five minutes past eleven. I wanted to be sure to get here on time. When did you take the gun from the drawer in your husband's room? Just before I left. I didn't decide to bring it until the last minute. How many people know that you despised your husband? Despise is your word, Mrs. Hazen. I don't think anyone does. I have never told anyone, not even my best friend. Boy, your maid knows for one. Is she not a dolt? She's, of course, being questioned at this very moment. Was your husband wealthy? I don't know. You don't know? Well, he had a large income. He must have. He was free with money. He owned the house. Any children? No. You will inherit... Mr. Wolf, this is ridiculous. I don't want anything from him. I am merely examining your position. You will inherit... Yes, he told me I would. Didn't he know you despised him? He was incapable of believing that anyone could despise him. I suppose he was a psychopath. I looked up psychopathy in the dictionary. No doubt that was a help. I presume you will now go home. Since you must tell the police that you were here, you might as well say that you learned of your husband's death from my radio. It'll save you the bother of feigning surprise and shock. I said you would be in a pickle, madam, and you are... Uh, What are you doing? I am writing you a check. No. You may not be in jeopardy. They may get the murderer today or tomorrow. If they don't, we'll see. Archie. Yes, sir. Mrs. Hazen is leaving. Archie, I do not intend to serve the convenience of a murderer. 
What ground do you have for your guess? When you heard her stutter that I was making it up. Also, she went white, all white in three seconds. No one can do that. Very well. Call your friend Mr. Cohen at the Gazette and get details. He may not have any yet. Anything in particular? Whatever he has. But in particular, I want to know if a weapon has been found or a bullet. By a truck driver at 10.18 a.m. It was stiff, so he must have been dead at least five hours, probably more. He was fully dressed, including an overcoat. His hat was there on the ground, usual items in his pocket, except that there were no keys, no wallet, no watch. His name was on some letters in his pocket, so the wallet wasn't taken to delay identification. He was shot once in the back. A rib stopped the bullet at 32. They have the bullet? Right, but no weapon. Will she report what she told me? No. That's why I put up with you. <laughs> you could have answered with 50 words and you did it with one. I've often wondered. Now tell me why I put up with you. Oh, that, that's beyond conjecture. Huh. I want a bullet that's been fired from that gun on your desk, and we shouldn't wait until after lunch. You have 20 minutes. If your guess about Mrs. Hazen is correct, that gun is not evidence. If it is, you'll be tampering with it. Shall I do it? No. You might shoot your toe off. <laughs> when will the police come? It'll probably be Kramer. Give him two hours. What time did Mrs. Hazen get here this morning? Is that uh, snow on your hat, Mr. Kramer? I asked you a question. Perhaps you'd be more comfortable if you removed it. The hat, I mean. What time did she get here? Uh, half past eleven. When did she leave? Shortly before one o'clock. What'd she have to say? Uh, Mr. Kramer, I know that Mrs. Hazen's husband has been shot and killed. She was with me when the news came on my radio. I have knowledge of no evidence that would be useful to you in your investigation. That is my considered opinion. Mrs. Hazen consulted me in confidence. What we spoke of is not pertinent to your inquiry. Someday you're going to fall off and get hurt, and this could be it. I'm asking you to tell me what Mrs. Barry Hazen said when she came to see you nine hours after her husband was murdered. Uh, should I have occasion to change my mind? And by the way, I can offer you an opportunity to change it for me, Archie. Where's the bullet? Give it to Mr. Kramer. Now, Mr. Kramer, this will be pointless if you found the weapon that killed him, have you? No. It will also be pointless unless you have found the bullet that killed him, have you? Yes. Then I suggest that you have your lab compare this bullet with that one. If you find that they were shot by the same gun, let me know at once and I'll have some information for you. I, of course, want to see the lab report certified. Where did you get this bullet? I'll tell you or I won't when I get your report. By God, this is pertinent. This is evidence. I'll take you down, both of you. Nonsense. It's evidence of what? I don't know and neither do you. If it wasn't fired by the gun that killed Mr. Hazen, it's evidence of nothing. I'm not indulging in a prank, Mr. Kramer. There's a possibility that the bullets will match. And if so, it will indeed be evidence. Let me know. Kramer 
slept at 3.20. Wolf, of course, stuck to his usual routine from 4 to 6 upstairs with the orchids. But I spent the afternoon like a hen on hot bricks. It's a simple matter to do a bullet comparison. I expected to hear from Kramer by 4.30 or 5. I didn't. And it wasn't until after 6 o'clock that the doorbell rang. But to my surprise, it wasn't Kramer. Theodore Weed to see you. Uh, one of the dinner guests. The what one that... you want? You. No! I've been pestered enough on a matter in which I have no interest. Tell him so and don't... I'm not going to pester you. I'm going to hire you. Sir, you not only intrude, you presume. Archie, show him out. Yes, sir. All right, I started wrong. I'll try again. Mrs. Barry Hazen came to see you this morning and left a gun with you. Where is it? (sighs) Intrusion, presumption, and now effrontery. I must insist Damn it, I know she did. She told me so. She also wanted to hire you, but you wouldn't take her check. So I want to hire you. She's at the DA's office now. They're going to charge her with murder. Please, you got to let me hire you. Nero Wolf's office. Archie Goodwin speaking. It's Lucy Hazen. May I speak to Nero Wolf, please? It's urgent. One moment, please. The woman who brought the sausage this morning. Urgent. Oh. Yes, Mrs. Hazen? Yes, Mr. Wolf. I'm about to be arrested. Where are you? At the DA's office. I don't know. Say any... only what you must on the telephone. I'm in a booth with a door closed. Oh, boy. It's probably not only heard, but also recorded. All right. He said I could phone a lawyer, and I don't know any except my husband, and I don't want him. Will you get one for me? Yes, I'll send one to you, and then you can decide whether to engage him. I want to engage you, too. You said you would if I needed you. I said I would see. Oh, Very well, I'm engaged. One question. Have you disclosed any of your conversation with me, yes or no? No. Satisfactory. The lawyer's name is Nathaniel Parker. I'll get him there as soon as possible, but say nothing more to them until you speak to Mr. Parker. Mr. Weed, that was timely. That was Mrs. Hazen on the phone. She is now my client. Then take my money. No, sir. But I want to help. I don't see why... You're not obliged to see, and I'm not obliged to explain. Why do you think Mrs. Hazen killed her husband? I don't. She didn't. If I'd taken your money, what were you going to ask me to do? I don't know exactly. I was going to to consult you. I wanted to know what you did with the gun. Have the police got it? Mr. Weed, I am acting for her now. And you are the enemy, or one of them. What if you killed Mr. Hazen or know who did? My God, look, this is straight. You can cut off this arm if it will help her any. I have no use for your arm, but some information might be helpful. When did you last see Mr. Hazen? This morning at the morgue. I went there to identify him by request. Alive at his house last night. At what hour? Around half past nine. That's as close as I can come. And the circumstances? There were people there for dinner. Clients of Hazen's. After dinner, Hazen told Lucy that we were going to discuss a business matter and she left. I left soon after that and that was the last I saw of him alive. There with them. How did you spend the next six hours? I went home to bed. You were associated with Mr. Hazen and his business? I was in his employ. In what capacity? Mostly I write stuff, you know, handouts, plugs, the usual junk. Also, I was supposed to use my contacts. I was a newspaper man when Hazen hired me a little more than a year ago. If they were going to discuss a business matter, why did you leave? I wasn't needed or wanted. Then why were you there at all? Well, maybe I ought to give you a different answer than the one I gave the DA. The right answer. Even if it makes you think I killed him, which I didn't. If you did, Mr. Weed, you're doomed, no matter what answers you give. Hazen liked to have me in the same room with his wife because he knew how I felt about her. 
God only knows how he knew. I certainly tried not to show it, and I thought I did pretty well. And I'm sure she doesn't know, but he did. He was a remarkable man. Yeah. Uh, that's why I was invited to dinner last night. I don't think he expected to see me squirm. He didn't have to. He knew how I felt. He was a sadist and a damn subtle one. And uh, your feeling for her, was that return? Certainly not. I was just a guy that worked for her husband. Rather a forlorn situation for you. Yeah, forlorn is right. Another thing you might want to know. I think there was something screwy about his business. Oh, in what way? Well, take the four people who were there last night. Why did Mrs. Oliver, an extremely wealthy widow, pay him 2000 bucks a month? She needs public relations like I need a hole in the head. And Mrs. Talbot, a banker's wife? Maybe her husband could use a PR expert, but why her? And Jules Coury. What can public relations do for an inventor? And Ambrose Peardis is the screwiest of all. He already uses one of the big PR operators, the Cadre Associates, but personally, he's paid Hazen more than $40,000 this past year. I'm... I'm not supposed to know this. I got curious and looked at the records one day. Did he have any other clients? About a dozen, but his total take was over a quarter of a million a year. Interesting. Mr. Weed, will you be available for further questioning, say, this evening? Well, sure, but why not now? I must arrange a lawyer for my client, Archie. Get Mr. Parker. Mr. Parker, you've spoken to my client? I've just come from there. She's our client now. Ah, I stopped in instead of phoning because I have to deliver this at her request. The key to Mrs. Hazen's house and written authority from her to enter her house to get something. To uh, get something? Yes, if you want to. An iron box and a chest of drawers in Hazen's bedroom. You remove the bottom drawer, pry up the board it slides on, and the box is underneath. She doesn't know what's in it. But a year ago, Hazen lifted the board and showed her the box. He told her if he died, she was to have it opened by a locksmith and burn the contents without looking at them. You'll be acting legally on her instructions through her attorney. I'll use my discretion. I'm sure you will. I'd like to be present when it's open, but I have an appointment. Uh, shall I go there now? Will the police be there? I wouldn't think so. He wasn't shot there. Uh, do I wear gloves? No, you have authority. Oh, I'm off then. Archie. Yes? Take your gun. I stood across the street from the Hazen house, and I was glad I brought the gun. The house was dark except for a tiny sliver of light at the bottom edge of a window on the third floor. A sliver you might leave if you weren't quite thorough enough when you arranged the drape. It wouldn't be the maid. Her room was in the basement. And why only that one light at 9.30 at night? I crossed over, used the key, and entered the house with care. Very quietly, I climbed the stairs to the third floor. Try under the bed. Must be here someplace. I've done that. A door at the front of the house was slightly ajar. And through it, I could see part of the bed drapes over a window on the back of a woman's head. She was sitting in a chair facing away from me. There's no sense in this. There certainly isn't, Mr. Corey. I don't think it's here. It could be in Lucy's room. That would be like him. All right, let's try it. <gasps> Look, in the doorway. 
Don't anyone move. This gun is loaded. Who are you? Billy the Kid. Now, back up, please. Stand against the wall. I see the ladies' purses around the bed with the gentlemen. Please throw their wallets there, too. Carefully, please. I'd hate to have to use this gun. You wouldn't dare shoot. Oh, I assure you I would. And I should warn you. I'll aim for the shoulder or the leg, but I'm not a very good shot. Are you a burglar? No, ma'am. Then what do you want? I want you to tell me who you are and what you're doing here. But you have taken our wallets. Yes, sir, so I can check your identity as you tell me, just to make sure. Now, let's start with you, shall we? My name is Jules Horry. Is it important why we are here? Okay, the ID checks you, ma'am. This is Victor Oliver, as you can see. Are you from the police? No, are you worried? You, sir, I've seen your picture in the papers on the business pages. I'm Ambrose Purtis. What is the point in of this? time, in time. That leaves just you, ma'am, and it's an easy guess, Mrs. Talbot, I presume. Yes, I'm Ann Talbot. All right, now that I know all your names, it's only fair that you should know mine. Archie Goodwin. I work for a man you may have heard of, Nero Wolfe, the private detective. He's been hired by Mrs. Barry Hazen. I have the key to the house and her written authority to enter. So why are you here? No? How'd you get in? Who has the key? Oh, okay, then. Okay, we do it the hard way. You will take off your clothes and pile them on the floor, including your shoes and socks or stockings, but I think not your underwear. I'll think about that one. I most certainly will not. Well, just pretend you're at the beach or a pool. Do you want me to have to peel you? Don't think I wouldn't. I'll start with the gloves. I want them to. Is this necessary? Is it so important how we got in? Yes. There were no keys in Hazen's pockets. We don't have a key. The maid let us in. She has gone out, but when she comes back, you can ask her. She'll deny it. You see, I paid her to let us in and to go away for the evening. Ah, ah, yeah, I think I believe you, Mr. Curry. In any case, that can be checked. Hold it a minute. Now, I call it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have something to say. Yeah? Are you calling the police? No, come on, say it fast. You swear you're not a policeman? No, I told you who I am. He's Archie Goodwin. I've seen him at the Flamingo. And a private detective? Right. Then you do things for money. We will pay you $50,000 if you will leave this house and forget that you've been here. Half of it in cash tomorrow morning, and the other half later. We'll give you a satisfactory guarantee, perhaps something in writing. How much later? Well, that's hard to say. It's delicate. We would need to be sure of your forgetting until certain difficulties have ended. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, uh, pretty vague. All right, you can collect your wallets and bags. No funny moves. Now, look here. I'm not calling the police, Mr. Burtis. I'm calling Nero Wolf. Yes? Me. Could we use 50 grand? In the box? No, I haven't got to that yet. I'm in Hazen's bedroom. There are four people with me, the four that came to dinner last night. They were in this room looking for something. They hadn't found it. Purtis just offered me 50 grand to go away and forget I was here. I'll split it with you. He'd probably double it. Are you intact? Sure, I'm just calling to let you know to expect us all in about half an hour. We will double it. $100,000. Skip it. What would I tell my mother if I had one? All right, now you people have a choice. Either I phone Inspector Kramer and tell him everything, or you can come and talk it over with Nero Wolf. And you uh, may have two minutes to consider it starting now. Listen, Mr. Goodwin, we were looking for something that belongs to us. We're not thieves. We're respectable... Now, sorry, don't waste it on me. I just run the errands. It's either Nero Wolf or the police. If you pick Nero Wolf, go downstairs and get two taxis. You will get in one of the taxis and wait till I come down and get in the other one. I'll be down in a couple of minutes. Oh, there's one complication. If any of you split, I'll phone the police immediately. I would rather not, but I'd have to. Well? Do we have any alternative? Let's go. (laughs) 
your box. Ah. You haven't opened it? No, sir. Save that for you. Uh, the four people you mentioned... They're all here in the front room. I thought you'd want to do this first. Well, uh... Shall I open it? The lock will be a cinch. This will be distasteful. Go ahead. Okay. Any trouble finding it? No, it's exactly where it was supposed to be, under the bottom drawer. I got there just in time. Another hour or two, they probably would have found it. Ah, there we are. Well. Well, it sure is distasteful. Empty. <laughs> just as well. Huh? It would probably have presented us with a problem. I presume he decided it was a mistake to tell his wife of it and remove the contents. Elsewhere in the house? Oh, I doubt that. So do I. Lock it up and, uh... Leave it on your desk. Have a gun in your hand when you admit them and go to your desk. Proceed. If you would all sit down, please. I like eyes at my level. Thank you. Now, this shouldn't take long. First, the situation. I shall not resort to euphemism. You were being blackmailed by Mr. Hazen. Either collectively... Please don't interrupt. If there was any doubt, it was removed when Mr. Goodwin found you in that house surreptitiously looking for something and you offered him a large sum of money. So much... I didn't. Mr. Purdis did. Oh, phooey. You were there. Did you object? I am acting for my client, Mrs. Hazen. She's being held under suspicion of killing her husband and has given me certain information. This is one item. One day about a year ago, her husband showed her a methox he'd hidden in his bedroom. He told her that if he died... She should have the box opened by a blocksmith and burn the contents without looking at them. And it was to get that box Mr. Goodwin went there this evening with Mrs. Hazen's key and authority. I said on the desk. So it was there. Oh, God. God. I have a proposal to make, but first a question or two. My objective, of course, is to demonstrate that Mrs. Hazen did not kill her husband. Now, yesterday evening, all of you dined at her table. I want to know about your conversation with Mr. Hazen after his wife and Mr. Weed left. What was said? Uh, nothing. Nonsense, Mr. Hazen had told his wife he was going to discuss something with you. Now, what? Nothing of any importance. He opened the champagne. We discussed the stock market. He asked Mrs. Talbot what plays she had seen. He got Perdis talking about the ships. He uh, talked about poison. He talked about his wife's father. He said his wife's father was a great inventor, a genius. Oh, please. If he discussed some aspect of his peculiar relations with you, naturally you didn't tell the police about it, but I know of those relations and the police don't. I intend to know what was said. You don't understand. You couldn't understand unless you knew him. He didn't want to discuss anything. He just wanted to have us there together, and we had to go. It was his special kind of torture. He wanted each of us to know about the others and to know that the others knew about us. He liked to see us trying to act as if it was just a dinner party. You didn't know him. He was a demon. Yeah, I'm beginning to see that. Did he reveal to any of you the nature of his hold on the others last evening or at any other time? Any hint at all? Reveal? No, not his style. I think he hinted. For instance, poison. I thought he hinted. But no particular. No. You said you had a proposal. I do. It's likely he kept in that box whatever support he had for his demands on you. The box will be placed in my safe. I don't desire or intend to inspect its contents, but Mrs. Hazen is my client, and I am committed to protect both her person and her property. 
I will surrender the contents of the box to you, the four of you, for one million dollars. Oh, God. You don't mean it. I shall expect one quarter of a million from each of you, either in currency or certified checks within 24 hours. There's no question of extortion by Mrs. Hazen or me. We haven't seen the contents of the box. I, I only say, as a agent, you may have them at that price if you want them. You haven't opened the box? No, I haven't. What if it's empty? You get nothing and you pay nothing. The box will be opened here tomorrow at midnight with all of you present. Or earlier, if and when you meet the terms. If it's empty, well, so much for that. It's a short time to raise so much money. I did not give you longer. The police would no doubt regard the contents of that box as evidential in their investigation of a murder. I cannot undertake to withhold my knowledge of it longer than 24 hours. So I shall await your pleasure. for bed that night I made assorted tries at deciding what Wolf was up to and what was next on his program and didn't like any of them. As it turned out, the next thing on the program wasn't decided by me or him. Inspector Kramer arrived at our doorstep at 3 o'clock the next day and he was looking pleased. Too pleased. Okay, I want to hear it from you. What Mrs. Hazen came to you for yesterday? Mr. Kramer, it shouldn't be necessary for me. She's booked for murder. On what evidence? We have the gun. Oh, indeed. We found Hazen's car parked near the scene of the murder. The gun was in the dashboard compartment. And you proved it was the murder weapon? Definitely. And we have traced the gun. It was bought by Hazen six years ago, and he had a permit for it. He kept it in the drawer in his bedroom. But you uh, haven't connected Mrs. Hazen to the gun. Oh, haven't we? How about this? Hazen was killed about midnight. At 8 o'clock the next morning, the maid went up to call him for breakfast. The drawer was open, and she saw the gun. Mm. You still haven't connected... Shortly after 11, the maid was tidying. The drawer was still open, but the gun was gone. Mrs. Hazen, the only other person in the house during that time, had just left the house, presumably to keep an 11.30 appointment with you. Maybe you know why she put the gun in the car. Let's hear you. Uh, what, uh, what kind of gun was it? It's your turn to talk. Uh... I don't like this. I'm sure you don't. Oh, you're not squeezing it out of me, though you think you are. I I would tell you nothing and risk the consequences if it weren't for one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's that? I need some information that I can only get from you. I have to know where the gun came from that Mrs. Hazen left with me yesterday. Now, if you'll agree... She left a gun with you? Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you about it and give it to you. If you'll give me its history at the earliest possible moment, I want your word. You won't get it. Mrs. Hazen is charged with murder. If she left a gun with you, it's evidence in a murder investigation. No, it's evidence in my investigation, but not in yours. You have your gun, the one the murderer used. How can it embarrass you to tell me about this one? You're going to tell me what she said about it? I am. Okay, go ahead. I have your word? Yes. Get the gun, Archie. Right, right. Oh, by the way, there's a question that wasn't answered. What make is your gun? I mean, the one that killed him. Drexel 32. Huh. So is this. Oh, of course, there are millions of Drexel 32. It was fired yesterday by Mr. Goodwin to get a bullet. The bullet I gave you. That could have been evidence. Now we know it isn't, Mr. Kramer. All right. Let's hear it. 
first from you, and then Goodwin comes down to the station for a detailed statement. Very well. I don't get it. I have never known you to take a murderer for a client. Whether it's just your goddamn luck or what, I don't know, but you haven't. Why did you take her? Oh, I asked Mr. Goodwin's opinion, and he said she was innocent. His judgment of women under 30 is infallible. Me, in a phone booth at the DA's office, and it may be tapped as you know. They should be finished with me in another hour or so. I thought I should tell you. They were curious about guns, and then a phone call came and they weren't. I already know Mr. Kramer phoned me. The gun we gave him was traced without difficulty. It was purchased by Mrs. Hazen's father, Titus Postel, and he committed suicide with it two years ago. Wow. So presumably it was in our client's possession. Not yet established, but we should know sooner. Meanwhile, I've gotten Saul and given him an errand. I need you. Come home at once. They haven't released me yet. They will now. I've made a deal with Mr. Kramer. What deal? Not now. Mrs. Oliver and Mr. Burtis are already in the front room. Mr. Corey will arrive any moment, and Mrs. Talbot hopes she'll be here by 10 o'clock. It's nearly that now. So the charade is on. Of course. And it should be very interesting. Please sit down, Mrs. Talbot. Well, since all four of you are here, I assume that you're prepared to act on my proposal. Mrs. Oliver? This is a cashier's check for $250,000 made out to me. I'll endorse it, or I won't. Yes, I will, of course, depend on what's in the box. Mrs. Talbot? I I have a, a certified check for $65,000 and $40,000 in cash. I'll pay the rest as soon as I can. I tried. I did the best I could. Right. Mr. Purtis? I have a certified check for my share. Full amount? Yes. Hmm. Mr. Corey? I have nothing. Oh, indeed. And why are you here? I want to know what's in the box. If there's anything worse, a quarter of a million to me, I'll buy it. The deadline is midnight. You'd have 90 minutes. I don't think so. I don't know what you are doing, but whatever it is, I want to know what's in the box. Oh. <laughs> yes, this, um, this situation wasn't covered by the terms of my proposal. Two of you are prepared to comply with the terms and shouldn't suffer for Mr. Corey's dissent. As for you, Mrs. Talbot, I'm willing to accept your declaration of good faith that you've done your best. You'll, of course, commit yourself in writing to pay the balance. But uh, as for you, Mr. Corey... If you're willful, so am I. Whatever the box contains that relates to you will be turned over to the police at midnight. Open the box, Archie. It's empty. Empty? Damn you. You've got it. You had a key. Use your head, Perdis. He didn't know it was empty. Now, why would... Well, you're wrong. I did know it was empty. I knew it last night when I made my proposal. You knew. I made the proposal not out of caprice to play you, but for a purpose. And that purpose has been served. Who are you calling? Calling my man in the kitchen. Fritz, Inspector Kramer's there. He's arrived. The police. Let me speak you to him. You call the police? You have the gun, Archie. Stand at the door. No one is to leave. Ah, Mr. Kramer. The situation has developed as I expected. You may bring Mrs. Hazen in now. We'll... No, I will not. As I told you before, her presence is essential. The... Yes, I am prepared to name a substitute, yes. Damn you. You told the police this was all a game. No, are you a dunce? 
Would I contrive such a hocus pocus just to pass the time? Confound it, sit down. I'm going. No one is going. Mr. Goodwin wouldn't shoot you, but he wouldn't have to, would he? Sit down. I asked you if you'd opened the box. And I said no, I had not. That was necessary. In fact, it was Mr. Goodwin who had opened the box, and it was empty. I don't believe that. It's a trick. I did concoct a trick, but it's a fact that the box was empty. That's what you have a right to know. Well, three of you. I don't believe the box was empty. I think you're lying. I don't. Why would he? There's $605,000 here, ready for him. Why did you do this, Mr. Wolf? Believe me, Mrs. Talbot, it was necessary to expose a murderer, which I am now prepared to do. Come in, Mr. Kramer. Oh, Archie, find a chair for Mrs. Hayes. I have to say something to these people first, Wolf. Well, if it's brief, Mr. Kramer. Now, I'm here because Wolf told me that you four people would be here, and I wanted to know what he had to say to you. I brought Mrs. Hazen because I was convinced by something Wolf said that it would be in the interest of justice for her to be here. I want to make it plain that as an officer of the law, I don't rely on any private detective to do my job for me. And what's more, no private detective is going to interfere. Thank you, Mr. Kramer. <clears throat> Sergeant Stebbins, Mrs. Hazen is your prisoner, and of course it's your duty to guard her, but I doubt if she intends any outbreak. If you wish to stand by the murderer of Mr. Hazen, I suggest you move to Mr. Corey. That's my name. Indeed it is. Mr. Kramer, I promised you I'd offer a substitute for Mrs. Hazen for the murder of Barry Hazen. Though I have no conclusive evidence as of this moment, I have some highly suggestive facts. But you said you First, had it. A... Mr. Hazen was a blackmailer. He extorted large sums of money from the four people in this room using his public relations business as a cover. He had in his possession... You can't prove that. Oh, boy, you have in your bag a check for $250,000. For what? I advise you, madam, for your own good, hold your tongue. Mr. Hazen had in his possession various objects, I don't know what, to substantiate his blackmailing demands. And last evening I told these four people that I'd secured these objects and that I'd surrender them for one million dollars. I gave them 24 hours to meet my terms. They are here. Three of the them... The objects have... are here? No, I don't know where the objects are. The people are here. Three of them came prepared to pay. Mr. Corey did not. And that's your basis for accusing this man? This will go better if you keep your questions until I'm through. Uh. I was acting on the premise, certainly were the test, that one of Hazen's victims had killed him. And to kill him would have been futile unless he got the object that had made it possible for Hazen to bleed him. Now, this evening, three people came prepared to buy those objects from me, not Mr. Corey. He knew I had nothing to support my threat. Even when I told him that the objects pertaining to him would be given to the police in 90 minutes, he was unmoved. Mr. Curry, do you want to comment? No. This is fascinating. I thought I had decided not to bring my share of the money because I didn't believe he had anything that threatened anybody. Get back to facts, Wolf. Well, for a fact, I submit the conversation at the gathering Monday evening after Mrs. Hazen and Mr. Weed left. Of course, sir... You and your staff have it in detail, but you didn't know that Hazen was a blackmailer, did you? And that he not only bled his prey, he was pleased to torment them. In that conversation, he introduced topics that obviously referred to the pinch he had them in. For instance, uh, poison. I don't know which of those present that touched. I'm not concerned. But one of his topics pointed clearly at Mr. Corey. Um, Mrs. Oliver, can you tell me again what he said about Mrs. Hazen's father? 
Well, he said her father was a great genius, an inventor. Yes, Mrs. Hazen's father, Titus Postel, had been associated with Mr. Curry. Inspector Kramer, you phoned me this evening to say that the gun I'd given you had been the property of Titus Postel, and he'd committed suicide with it five years ago. And soon after that, on the telephone, Mr. Curry informed me he'd be present this evening, but was declining my proposal. Yes, Mr. Curry? Nothing. Now, the guns. When Mr. Corey went to that grotesque dinner party Monday evening, he had Mr. Postel's gun with him. During you can the... prove he had it. Certainly not. At the moment, I'm telling you what happened, not what I can prove. During the evening, he found or made an opportunity to go to Mr. Hazen's bedroom, probably on a pretext of using the washroom. He did. I remember that Thank he... Thank you, Mrs. Oliver. But later, if you please. Mr. Corey then switched the guns in Mr. Hazen's drawer. With a double purpose. First, so that Hazen would find a gun there if he looked for it. Second, to implicate Mrs. Hazen. He intended to leave Hazen's gun in the car after he killed Hazen. The police would, of course, learn that it had been Hazen's, kept in that drawer, and when they found the other gun there, they naturally assumed that she'd put it there in a witless effort to mislead them, which is what happened. Is it not, Mr. Kramer? You're telling this. Go on. Mrs. Hazen. The gun that had belonged to your father. Was it in your possession? No, I, I don't... When did it. you see it last? I don't understand. When they told me the gun I brought you was the one my father shot himself with, I thought they were lying. I don't understand. No wonder. Neither do the police. Did you ever have that gun, your father? I had it for a while. They gave it to me after, after he died. I kept it with some of his things, but it disappeared. How long after his death did it disappear? I don't know. It was about a year later that I noticed it was gone. Do you have any idea who took it? I don't know, but I thought perhaps Mrs. Curry had. I didn't ask her. She thought I shouldn't keep it because it only reminded me. Is it true that my husband was a blackmailer? Yes. A husband who was a blackmailer, a father... Oh, I can relieve your mind about that anyway, about your father. He didn't commit suicide. He was murdered by Mr. Curry. <laughs> Another one. You are piling it on. Oh, your aplomb is admirable, sir. Of course, you're counting on what I said earlier, that I have no evidence. But you're too sanguine. That evidence not only exists, it's available to me. I'm obliged to Mr. Hazen for a valuable hint... His remark that Mrs. Hazen's father was a great inventor and a genius. That suggested to me that you might have cheated him out of the proceeds of his genius. So I put a man on it. Saul Panzer. Mr. Kramer knows his capacities. What did he report? Oh, no, sir. You'll have to hear that from Mr. Kramer when he lays his charge. But I can assure you that Mr. Panzer is at your office at this moment guarding evidence that will definitely connect you with Mr. Postel's death. Really? There's a limit. I've had enough of this, so if you will excuse Stop me, him, sir. Sergeant. I'll have to leave it with two loose ends. First, the object or objects that Hazen had collected were never found. Unless they were found by Mrs. Oliver, Mrs. Talbot, or Curtis, so we'll never know. Second, the fee that Wolf had certainly earned. Lucy refused to take any of Hazen's leavings. She wouldn't even take the house. 
But there is a chance that she'll get a chunk of Corey's pile eventually on account of the evidence Saul dug up that Corey had stolen a couple of Titus Postel's inventions. But Corey, who is now locked up while his lawyers hop around from court to court, has admitted nothing and neither has his wife. So, Wolf hasn't collected a fee yet. Oh, as for a third point you might be curious about, whether Lucy and Theodore Weed have found out how they feel about each other, you can have one guess. If you need more than one, what do you suppose makes the world go wrong? Starring in today's episode were Maver Moore as Nero Wolf and Don Franks as Archie Goodwin. Mary Peary was Lucy Hazen. Bud Knapp, Ambrose Purtis. Patricia Hamilton, Anne Talbot. Mina E. Mina, Jules Curry. Helen Hughes, Mrs. Oliver. Dan McDonald, Nathaniel Parker. Richard Blackburn, Theodore Weed. And Cease Linder, Inspector Kramer. Music was composed and conducted by Don Gillis. Technical operations, John Jessup. Sound effects, Bill Robinson. Production assistant was Nancy McElveen and casting consultant Anne Weldon Tate. Death of a Demon was written and produced in Toronto by Ron Hartman. She become involved in the world of high fashion. You are not much interested in fashion. Uh, not particularly, but uh, go on. Oh, but of course you are not married and you have no mistress. And feeling the way you do about women, how could we I... were to discuss your problem, I thought. Oh, oh, I, I'm sorry. Thank you. Get on the other line, Archie. Check. <clears throat> Hello, this is Nero Wolf. Are you, uh, Miss Voss? Yes. What do you want? Uh, if my name is unknown to you, I should explain. I know your I... name. What do you want? I want to invite you to call on me at my office. I, uh, I've been asked to discuss certain matters. Who with asked you? Well, I, I'm not at liberty to say. I'll What pick... matters? Uh, if you let me finish... Uh, the matters are personal and confidential. That's all I can say on the telephone. I'm sure ah, you understand. I know your name, yes. You are scum in your stinking sewer. What? A slimy little ego in your big gob of fat. Oh. And you dare. Oh. Hello? Hello, hello? Hello? Hello, Miss Voss. Are you all right? Miss Voss. Apparently something fell on her and then um, hung up the phone. What? What? You and your gorgeous words just like your orchids. Well, I'm on my way. You know, I gagged about homicide. Murder is no joke. But I want to tell you, Mr. Wolf, Bianca Voss had you wrong. What was it she called you? 
scum in a stinking sewer. Yeah. Well, obviously he doesn't know you. Orchids don't smell. <laughs> you know, Archie, I'm beginning to think this joke may be on me. Next week, Murder is No Joke. Guest stars Joy Coghill, Vivian Reese, Nani Griffin, Richard Monette, and Murray Westgate.